What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Open Guard Cast. My guest today is Junior Fernandez. Junior is a purple belt uh, representing Team Checkmat. He won the 2021 Worlds in the Gi, and he won the No Gi Worlds as well in 2021. And he's got an awesome style. He's got really, really good jiu-jitsu, tons of potential to be one of the elite in the sport. So, Junior, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you for inviting me. Um, this uh, I've, I've been following the Open Guard podcast for a minute now, and I really appreciate the opportunity for you to, you know, bring me along and just share my story, you know? Yeah, of course. I, I think there's been a little bit more media since you since you won your world title around your story yeah, sure. and stuff, and it's a really cool story. So I definitely just wanted to bring you on to get to get more details about it because I got to watch your matches, and your jiu-jitsu is awesome. I think you have tons of potential. You're already amazing, but I think you could be one of the elite in the division. So just wanted to uh, make sure you got your your fair shake and got to tell your story. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. Like, I've, I've... I'm grateful that you're giving me like my flowers whilst I'm still here and doing my thing and I'm progressing over to the higher belts, the higher ranks and you know, it's it's nice to see like I've got people that acknowledge my work and it's all paying off, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a really cool article that came out on BJJ Heroes, like it's one of our favorite websites that we that we're always reading every day. And it just kinda of talked about the first part of it was about your origin in the sport and kind of what you were into before you got into Jiu Jitsu. So do you wanna talk about the other sports that you played before getting into jiu-jitsu and martial arts? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah. So okay. um, I started, like, as a Londoner, everyone's dream was to kind of play football. And, um, you know, it's very competitive here to get into football and to play professional football and stuff. So... I quickly found out that football wasn't for me and it was more of a hobby. But uh, my dad, he's an um, uh, ex-world champion in Muay Thai. But he's retired now. You think he's won like three world titles or something. And now he's got his own students and stuff and he's building his champions and whatnot. And I got into Muay Thai when I was seven. So that was like my first contact with the whole martial arts uh, scene. And um, I was... I was competing in Muay Thai from 7 to 13. And uh, it kind of, that's something I'm kind of grateful for. I have like Muay Thai and BJ kind of shape the person that I am today in terms of like discipline, having like good work ethic and, um, you know, dedicated to my craft and, you know, just kind of always having tunnel vision and focused on what I need to achieve because I know it's hard to get to the top, you know. And even to like, once you get to the top, now to maintain that, that level and to stay up there, it's even harder, you know? So I know that there's always room for improvement and stuff. I'm always just trying to evolve and, you know, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Then, and Mu Muay Thai is like an individual sport, a lot like Jiu-Jitsu. So do you feel like that had yeah. a big impact, like being able to compete in that type of sport helped you once you transitioned over to Jiu-Jitsu? Um, yeah, I felt like it was easy for me to like correlate in terms of like, I knew the type of work that I need to put in if I want to see results, if I want to see success. But I'll be honest with you, like, when I started jiu-jitsu, it wasn't all... I, I saw success with Muay Thai towards the end when I was competing. But whereas with jiu-jitsu, I, I struggled a lot in the earlier stages of me competing, like, as a juvenile, in the colored belts, as a, as a teen, as a kid, you know? And... Um, there was a point in time where I was I almost quit jiu-jitsu. 
because I was like so frustrated and nothing was working out for me, you know. And um, like I've always had the good report. I've always had a strong bond and a good backbone, a good support from people at the gym. Like for example, my professor Marco Kanya, uh, my mother. She's always had faith in me. Like those two people in particular, they've always had faith in me, and they knew that I would reach to the level where I am today. And um, they that kind of grew confidence into me, yeah, you know. And there was moments in time where I didn't have that self confidence, and regardless of what I what I had in my mentality, they always knew that I would, you know, be destined to do well in whatever I desired to do. And that kind of kept me going, kept me going. Yeah, definitely. So I, that was another part of the article that was really interesting and. What you just mentioned, not having a ton of success when you started, what was the turning point that really helped you get over the hump and start to have good competitive results? So when I first started, I remember like I was 13 year old, my gi belly fit me like <laughs> my gi, let's just put it as this, my gi wouldn't pass the IBJF <laughs> Like my trousers were up to like my shins, my calves, <laughs> my, my sleeves was up to like way past uh, before my, my, my wrists your elbows like, bro, it, it, my elbows pretty much yeah and it was like I remember it was like a, a K3 tatami gi black and red and I was looking like a little smurf you know chubby <laughs> chubby chubby kid right then and um, yeah man like I got I went straight into the to the adult classes because I was too big for the kids and they were all like half my size and I was getting smashed every day and these guys were just using brute force you know and like squishing me and ragdolling me around and stuff. And I was someone like, I don't know what it was, but I never complained to people. Like I would always be, I would bottle it up and I would always complain to myself and I would always be frustrated at myself. Like how comes nothing's going on, like nothing's going well for me, you know? And um, there there, there were times that, you know, I'm still growing. I'm going to mature a lot. I'm going to, physically get stronger because of my age you know I was I was still like 13 14 at the time and um and as I kept on training 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 my like I got physically stronger and my technique started developing more and I got well more enhanced and whatnot and then I saw like now I'm starting to do well against these adults and all these high, high color belts at the gym now that was one part then it was another thing. I wasn't able to execute that. Whatever I was doing at the gym, I wasn't able to complement the same thing at the competitions or execute the same thing, you know? And um, that that kind of stuck with me for a little bit, you know? And it, there were times where I would go compete as a juvenile in the kids' kids' ranks. I'd see all my friends, all my training partners, they've all got gold medals, they've got, Naga belts, all these shiny belts and trophies and whatnot. And I said, I mentioned in the interview, I'd be lucky to even podium, bro. I'd be lucky to even podium, you know, and play and get a third place medal. And that kind of frustration I let out towards my mom, and I'd always cry and, oh, how comes I'm never getting uh, top uh, first place? And it's always me, why always me? And it was like that for a good six six months, I'd say, man, of just continuously competing and stuff and I don't know like towards towards the end of I'd say middle of juvenile believe it was that's I don't know something switched in me like a, a fuse just like you know went off and 
whatever I was executing at the gym, it was being blossomed and it flourished at competition as well. Um, and we're talking about me and my friend, a good friend of mine, my main train, training partner, Rodrigo Mariani. He's also a um, 2021 Nogi, I think, middle heavy champion at Purple Belt, world, world champion. Uh, we were like closing out weight in absolute. I would do like lightweight, he would do middleweight. Um, going up and down the country, UK, closing out absolutes together, getting like cash prizes here and then. That's when it started to, I started picking up momentum. Mm-hmm. Then towards like the end of like Blue Bowl and going into adult division, that's when like I had even more people, like not just people in my gym now that saw that I, I had the potential to do even better. Like we're talking about internationally, go do what, Europeans, Pans, Worlds, etc. you know? And that kind of grew into the BJJ community that we have here in the UK now. Like I get tons of messages nowadays, like even... Before I left to go to to Worlds in Texas, Nogi Worlds, like just the amount of love and support that I get is, is crazy, man. And that's coming from people because I, I come from a... I'm, I'm Portuguese, but um, my parents are from uh, Africa, you know, so I've got African heritage and specifically Angola. So I get a lot of messages from Portugal, people in Angola and people in the UK. So that kind of keeps me pushing and, you know, striving to do uh, bet and bet each time, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that's something I wanted to touch on too, is you come from a background that's, that's pretty different from a lot of other world champions. Most are either Brazilian or American. Now there's a lot more, but like, what are some of the the main struggles that being from the UK and and not having that huge group of training partners have presented to you? You know what it is? It's like, I don't, I feel like there's hidden gems in the UK, Europeans grapplers in general, like, that I could name a ton right now, um, you know, people from Portugal, from like Sweden, Switzerland, France, uh, the UK. There's tons, tons of high level elite gi and no gi grapplers, and I don't feel like because of the media, we don't get put on the line, like we don't get put in the spotlight, which is which I think is unfair, you know. And I'll be real with you right now. There's been times that. Like, I've won big tournaments and I've got no media coverage. And I would have, like, friends and people that know of me and they would complain to, like, media sites, media platforms. Oh, how comes you're not mentioning this guy's name? I'll be honest with you, Danny. Like, to me, I don't really care too much about the media coverage. As long as I'm on the top place of the podium and I'm doing my parents proud, my mom proud, my brother proud, and everyone that's supporting me from the jump, I'm good, bro. I'm good. And that's kind of, it's one of them things, like, if you can't get the media coverage here in the UK, um, you have to go out and go to where the where the Mecca of Jiu-Jitsu is, where all of the big competitions are. And that's why I kind of left the UK. And I knew if I want to progress as an athlete, as a competitor, and I want to evolve, I have to leave the UK to go train with, like the top guys on my team, you know, uh, check my La Habra, check my HQ, you know, with Lucas Lynch, uh, Leo Vieira, you know, Ricardo Vieira. I have to go train with those guys. I have to train with their students, you know. And um, that's one thing that kind of gave me such a strong mindset, especially with this year's World's Camp, that, man, if I can hold my own with these top-level athletes, like, obviously, I'm not, I'm not trying to big myself up too much, like, I would get smashed by the guys like <laughs> Mateus Gabriel, yeah. Samuel, the guy, 
the Gomez brothers, Gabriel Almeida, tons of guys, tons of guys. You know, like El Monstro, um, Eduardo Lima, um, tons of guys, bro. And it's like, man, I'd put in my mind, who's going to be, like, I'm lightweight, but who's going to be stronger than Jansen? And he's a middle heavy in my division, you know? So it's like, I put that into perspective and that kind of, I was in such a good peace, peace of mind, a good state of mind that it kind of made me, made my jiu-jitsu perform better at the competition at Worlds and Worlds no gi and stuff, you know, in all the competitions that I did in the States. Yeah, definitely. So I, I do want to get into all the training at Checkmat in the US, La Abra and, uh, the other academies, but what was it like training at, at Fight Zone London? Because I believe that's where you kind of had your roots yeah, and where you that's started. Where I started. Yeah. So do you want to talk about started, that training environment and then how it, uh, how there was a connection to the check mat in the US? Um, I started with Marco when I was 13 and uh, he's promoted me to all my colored belts as a child and he's promoted me to, I got my brown belt today actually. Oh, congrats, I I was gonna, dude! That's yeah, awesome. Thank you. I, was, I thought I thought I was gonna be late to the podcast. I was running home. That's a good excuse like, no, to be late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had the the annual grading today. Yeah, so congrats. Was, that's like, everyone, awesome. Everyone was, thank you, brother. Everyone was telling me like back back in the states, like man, oh, you're gonna get your brown belt and stuff. Now that you want world as uh, twice as purple, but I was like. Everything in God's timing, man. Everything in God's timing. But yeah, man, like the training's good over there. The training's good over there. But um, it's compared to like America. I like I want to put it in a way where I don't want to be rude, you know. No, but there's like, a lot of people who like let's say like the Checkmate La Abra School. There's a lot of people who travel from Brazil to train there. There's people who travel from all yeah, over the country. Yeah. So it's like almost like a destination school. It's one of the best yeah. academies in the world that's that's how hq's like that's how hq's like you know yeah like we we would have like three four weeks out of the tournament and we're getting guys from all sorts all, all sorts of walks of life you know mm-hmm. different parts of the world and stuff you know so it's good man that's 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 the make of jiu-jitsu right now man that's where all the opportunities are you yep. know so when was the first time you went to the u.s to train at checkmat um Boy, I think it was either 2016 or 2017. But it was just to, strictly to train. Because my brother, he started before me. He started jiu-jitsu before me. And he, he went to kids' pans, like, I think three, four times. And he's medaled, like, bronze and silver, I think, two or three times. But now he's he's moved on to... He's a semi-pro football player now. He's 16, so... That's always been his passion, so... He's getting to the jiu-jitsu. I'm on the combat sports side. That's awesome. So do you want yeah. to talk more but about? It was like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it was it was surreal though, cause like, for me now going to like HQ and going to La Habra, it's like, oh, like I know these guys and my mates and stuff, and um, I'm chill with them, I'm cool with them. But like the first time I, I I like I went to HQ was the old HQ. I was like, oh my god, like everything's so massive. <laughs> like I would I would see like Leo for the first time. I'd freak out. I would see like Bushesha and like Panza and like. Lapel and Lucas Lynch. I'm like, I would, oh my gosh, I would totally fanboy, man. Yeah, I would see you on like BJJ magazine and uh, <laughs> I would see you on YouTube and uh, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. 
That's amazing. So I kind of want to ask you too about like specifically what it was like to train with some of those guys. I'll try and like you said, there's so many good checkmate black belts. I'm not going to name everyone, but you can, you can give me anyone, give me, give anyone. I'm going to try and go with like the guys who are closer to your size and like black belts. But like first, uh, let's start with Sam, the guy, what's it like training with him? Boy, that guy there, man. I, I remember the first time we rode, it was specific training. It was like three weeks out to the competition. And man, it was a tough role. It was a tough role. He whooped my ass. <laughs> but he was telling me that I was, I was doing well and stuff. And you know what it is? It's like they, they beat you up, but then they praise you. Like they gave me such a uh, a confidence booster. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to be champion. You're going to do well at the competition. Because uh, we he he fought the same weight category as me when he was a purple belt. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, you have to make sure that that title stays home, stays with the team. And from then on out, we were just training and training together. And he would teach me a lot of positions and stuff. And that's something I'm always grateful for, you know. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. I remember watching his purple belt run at the Worlds at Lightweight. Yeah. When he beat Jonathan like, Alves, man. That's nice. And I know about, a bit about their background and stuff. And like their come up, him and his brother Jackson, the mm-hmm. guy is very inspirational. I respect a lot of people that come from nothing and they hustle their way to get where they want to be. And like they help their peers and their family and they give back to their family like that's something that I really respect because that's what that's my ultimate goal as well like I want to make a living through jiu-jitsu and give back to the people that helped me to get where I, where I wanted where I'm wanting to be you know yeah absolutely that's, that's my goal that's awesome and make sure my peoples are good you know what about yeah, uh yeah, Mateus Gabriel oh my gosh <laughs> oh my like the, <laughs> we wrote we trained together 2019 World Cup and he he murdered me murdered me murdered me and um, we trained again this camp and it was like oh yeah I've been hearing a lot of good things about you I've been hearing that you're very good and stuff so let's roll I was like damn I just finished <laughs> I, I remember damn. I just finished rolling like, with one of the heavyweights I think it was like Basho like Panza I was dead because we were doing 10 minute rounds 10 minute rounds 5 rounds I was like oh boy and then my last round was with Mateus Gabriel and like he's just a submission hunter you yeah. know, he doesn't care about points. And, bro, like, he hits you with submissions from angles you would never imagine of. I'm like, how did you hit me with that triangle there when I had my, <laughs> when I was, when I positioned my body here and I had my, I was low here in this position. I don't know how he does it, man. But one thing that I tell everyone, like, watching him train, bro, like, he's so confident in himself. You watching him, he makes you confident that he's going to do well in the tournament. Like, I don't know if you saw him at Worlds, but I saw him fighting, uh, I think it was the semi-final with Lucas uh, Valente. Oh, yeah. I and was right there. He that. was, like, just so, like, so fluid, you yeah. know? And he felt like he was at the gym, you know, just moving about, like, he was, like, so calm and composed, you know? During that whole fight, I didn't see him, like, not even once that he was, like, panicking or whatever in the bad bad spot. Yeah, I watched all his fights. Even I don't know if you saw his first one, but he hit such a sick 50-50 arm bar. <laughs> Yeah, it was, man, it was yeah. He catches too. everyone without the yeah. gym. He catches everyone at the, at the gym. That was crazy. That's but awesome. Yeah, man. It's like those training those type of guys. It's like, man, I'm training the best athletes, the best training partners that I could possibly have. Now that I'm a brown belt, man, like these guys are my division. Who are, who are going to be better than these two guys? For example, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What That's about? What, I put into my... what about the Luna brothers? Did you get to train with them? Yeah, I trained with both. <laughs> Boy, but it's it's like it's hard to 
because they're so lanky and tall, it's hard to bring them down. And yeah. both of them are strong as heck. Yeah. You know? And they've got a killer like long step pass. Mm-hmm. And they've got crazy bolo back takes and stuff, you know? Yeah, Jake's. So it's very hard to kind of keep them down and stuff. For sure. Yeah, Jake's competed against both of them. So I've watched quite a bit of their matches. And uh, uh, I think, real? was it? Yeah, Matias came How'd on with the podcast. Uh, he, I think he won a couple and lost a couple. Um, oh, okay. He won okay. a fight to win match against Matias. Lost to him at the Open at Pans. Um, he lost to Mateus once too, but I think he has a win over him as well. They've kind of gone back and forth, okay. but they're awesome guys. Yeah, Every time we see them, we always say hi. They're great guys. <laughs> yeah, they're good people, man. Everyone, you know what it is? It's like at, during the training camps, like we're all there to like do our best, train our butts off, and like kill each other on the mats. But after that, like we all chill together. It's all blessing. We're we're chatting, you know. Forget about training, and that's how it was. That's how it's supposed to be. You get me. Yeah, seems seems like you guys are a really, really tight-knit group. You can tell just by the way you guys interact with each other. Yeah, man, it's good vibes with them, man. It's good good vibes with everyone there. So last last, uh, group of people I want to ask about, what about the Gomez brothers? You did bring them up a little bit, but I mean, watching Jansen at Worlds is is just Um, like one of my favorite competitors to watch. (laughs) He's our our star boy, man. He's our star boy. Them two there. I remember I met them, I met Jansen when he was an orange boy. And now it's crazy to think now he's a black boy and he's like all developed and he's he's like one of the rising stars of our sport and stuff, you know. Yeah. And Jonathan as well, like that's someone that I really look up to because they they when they came here to London and they lived with me for like five six months before oh, they went wow. to Worlds. I was I was still studying at the time, but mm-hmm. they were cleaning up everything here. And like I would watch them compete, and they like back then Jonathan Gomez, especially he was like featherweight, mm-hmm. light feather featherweight, as a purple and brown belt, and he would clean up weight in absolute here. I'm like man, like just his his pure technique, he's like a he's like a sniper. Like once he gets you into position, like there's there's no letting go. He's not gonna let you go away, you know. And same thing with Jansen, he's like so scrappy and he's so versatile, you know. Yeah, and he can do everything, you know. And uh, both of them, they're good on top and good on bottom. Good guard players and good passers as well. Yeah, really well rounded. Yeah, and that's the same thing. Like they learned from the legendary Rico Vieira, you know. And he's they're all very uh, well rounded. Yeah, I think people are starting to to get to know Jansen a little bit more because they're covering him a little more in the media. But I feel like uh, Jonathan doesn't get as much. Uh, exposure coverage and he no, was I someone so. i used to watch him at purple belt a lot and he, i remember he had some fights with kennedy um he yeah. was always like on the top of the podium at purple and i just kind of followed his career throughout the rest of his belts and he's amazing yeah. he has really good jiu-jitsu yeah and it's hard man like competing in brazil like i want to go there one day just to like feel it out and see how it is to compete in brazil because you get a lot of the brazilians that can't travel to you know the states or any other places because of the visa and stuff mm-hmm. and Sometimes you would have like tougher fights in Brazil than you would in the US. Absolutely. Because you know, they're not able to get visas and stuff. And I think he's won like Sul Americanos and Lord knows how many times mm-hmm. they've won Brazilian nationals. Yeah. And that's a big title as well, man. That's a big Huge. title over there. Yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit about your run at the Worlds. Um, I touched on it a little bit before we started recording. I was pretty much mat side for a lot of your matches because one of my teammates yeah. won the featherweight division, and then I was watching another friend in middleweight, and all those uh, matches, like feather through middle, were happening in, on like two or three mats. 
So I saw a lot of your matches. <laughs> so oh, nice, nice, they nice. were awesome. You did really, really well. You hit some really cool uh, chokes from that omoplata. That was really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you just uh, t- talk about some of your matches and how you felt that they went? Um, yeah, so I had six matches. I had three subs. Um, the final, I won by six nil and three advantages. Uh, so I've, I got, I hit, I think, two omoplatas with like a, cross collar not cross collar choke but a cross uh, lapel choke um, in the first two matches then I hit a foot lock I think in the third match like with a minute left then um, one, one, one that I was very sceptical about was the quarterfinals I thought um, a guy from double five I think Jean Mathilde he he came second at Pans and he's also the, he was the number one ranked lightweight purple belt oh wow Man, I took that spot. Now. Yeah, that now spot. it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, like, we, we, we started and we double pulled and um, we ended up on 50-50 and it was pretty much that for the whole match. And um, no, I even remember that he kind of crossed his foot and he almost knee-reaped me when he was attacking the footlock because I remember me, Leo, and Gabriel Almeida, we were watching his previous fight and he footlocked the guy in um, 30 seconds or something and Leo said straight away so now you know what to do keep your feet tucked in and what did I do as an idiot I gave my feet to him <laughs> bro when that happened yeah like Leo started cussing me out he was like you idiot you uh, you don't listen like what the F you doing and stuff like listen to me I told you this before and he was saying all sorts of cussing words in, in Portuguese that you could imagine. And it was my fault, man. It was my fault. I should have I should have listened to what he said. But uh, luckily, man, like, it came through. So he attacked the foot. We ended up in 50-50. And that brother's got strength, man. He's strong, bro. I can't lie. Credit to him. It was a tough fight. But um, I feel like towards the, the last minute, we were in 50-50. And I had everyone, Rico, my friend, uh, Rodrigo, Everyone telling me, like, bro, you need to get out the 50-50. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to end up losing the fight. And he was on bottom. And I left it to the last minute on purpose. Because I didn't want to blitz him, like, when it was, like, three minutes left. And I would give him a chance for him to kind of counter-attack or whatever positions that I give. So I was being very strategic with it. And I left it to a minute la- uh, left, 40 seconds. So I managed to free out of the 50-50, jump, jump my leg over hit me on belly. He came up on the turtle position. I circled towards the back. Now, imagine this. The guy, the referee that I had, I think he was new. No disrespect to the referee if he's watching, but I felt like I should have got an advantage. Nothing. I didn't get no advantage because I almost passed. Then he came up. I pulled guard straight away. Then I hit an omoplata. Nothing. No advantages. And it ended nil-nil. I think he was penalties to each uh, on the scoreboard and bro like for a minute I saw my life going backwards I was like <laughs> I can't I can't go out like this I can't go out like this and luckily man uh, praise to God my, my hand got raised yeah I will say I mean I, I watched was- so many matches throughout the weekend there were some inconsistencies with the refing from what I saw, but yeah, man, I yeah. will say at least... Especially with the team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think at least the ref's decisions that I saw were, seemed to be right. I know yeah. that was that was good, the one that, that you earned, because you know you almost got the back, you almost got the pass. 
Oma Plata. Like, you definitely should have won that decision. That would have been crazy if you lost it. And I saw yeah, a couple yeah. more that, that were pretty good, too. But, but yeah. Like the one, one, for example, I think there was a, on, I think it was Sunday or Saturday. I'm not too sure. Uh, it was there for Sunday. Panza, Luis Panza, he fought um, Maxi Menes from GF team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, the black, um, actually, I kind of want to take back what I said. The black belt ref decisions weren't, weren't as good. <laughs> it was, it, uh, yeah, it, it was Fugazi, man. It was very controversial, yeah. you know. That's true. That's true. I'm thinking more about the color belts, but you're right. The black belt ones were more yeah. questionable for sure. Yeah, it's, it is what it is, man. It is yeah. what it is. So do you want to talk about your, your final as well? Because that was uh, – I, I got to watch the guy you fought in the final come come through the bracket too. He was really tough, um, and you did really well against him. So do you want to talk about that, Yeah, I, I remember – I remember. Going, I think it was – what Matt was it? I think it was – Matt 10 that I was at with the final. I think Matt 8, I'm not too sure. And the guy that he beat in the semi-final, he's a good, good friend of mine. He's from GF Team in Rio, Joe uh, Pedro. And he was telling me, bro, like, you need to do this. Like, you need to do this for us. Like, he beat me. You need to make sure that you whoop this guy's ass. It's the final. <laughs> like, you, you came all the way from the UK to, to, to make this happen. I was like, cool, bro. Say no more. He was just telling me a bit, bit about his game. <coughs> Excuse me. Then, um, he was just telling me that he's got like a very tight guard. He's got a good knee cut pass, and um, he likes to burn bolo a lot. So I was like, "All right, cool." But um, I knew as soon as like I implemented my game and I get my grips, I'm good to go. And which I did. I managed to pull guard before him, mm-hmm. and we were there, like just moving back and back and forth. I said two, three minutes. Then I managed to hit a sweep, and I could see him. He started gassing up. I was like, "Ah." <laughs> Now it's go time. There we go. Now it's go time. Because, bro, I'll be real with you. That's like such a my, my, uh, psychological win for me. You know, when I mm-hmm. see my opponents are gassed out or tired, that's when I know that's that's the time for me to push the pace. You know, and really give it to them. Totally. But um, uh, yeah, man. So I saw he was getting gassed out. I managed to hit a sweep. Then um, everyone started screaming, shouting, cheering. I went for like a Toriando pass circle towards his back, got a seatbelt control, then put my hooks in. And by then it was like 30 seconds left. I, I kind of looked at the clock and I was like shaking my head like, yeah. <laughs> it's in the bag. Yeah, yeah, man. It's in the bag for sure. It's in the bag. Everyone's screaming, shouting. Like, man, nah, it, it's very uh, satisfying. Bro. And yeah, we're just counting down the time. Seven, three, five, four, two, one. Boom. And just like everything out, man. Everything just... That's you amazing. Know, all the all the hard work that came that, that that came through, like I had a lot of personal issues as well, and you know sacrifices. I had to leave all my friends and family behind, but that's what I need to do to better my future, you know. And it all, all boils down to, boils down to the fight and stuff, the finals. And um, yeah, man, on to the next, you know, just trying to keep it pushing and just trying to win as much of these titles and. Feed the family, bro. That's 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 my goals, man. That's my goals. That's beautiful. So you did mention on to the next, and you just got your brown belt. So what are your goals at brown belt? Like I know you probably want to win the IBJJF tournaments, like the majors, but the jiu-jitsu yeah. scene is like really changing now. I feel like, especially since the pandemic, there's a lot more nogi yeah. stuff going on, a lot more nogi super fights. ADCC is like a huge thing. So are those things that you want to get into as well outside of just the IBJJF um, gi circuit? Yeah, for sure. One one thing that I've always like noted to myself, like if I want to be the best, I need to do both gi and ogi. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that's why I really admire someone like Lucas Lepre, you yeah. know, Bushesha. 
like they walk the walk and talk the talk, you know, and they let their achievement speak for themselves. You know, I, I really want to get into like more nogi super fights, more like fight to win super fights. Cause I, I fought super uh, fight to win. Um, I think it was in November, and I won that one by submission as well. But uh, I'd say the next objective that I really, really want to win is Europeans, man. Yeah, I really, I really want to get gold at Europeans. It's uh, it's in I've, Rome I've, this year, right? Yes, yeah, it's in Rome. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, I've fought, I fought Europeans since like juvenile, and imagine I fought like five, six times maybe, and I've only medaled once. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy, bro. Like, my division will always be the most stacked guys. We're talking about seven fights to win gold. Yeah, that's. Uh, I would always. I I don't know what it is, but I've got such bad luck, and I've got a curse at Euros. Like I would always lose my fifth fight, quarterfinals. <sighs> and I'm like, boy, and I'm seeing all my friends like they have, I don't know, four or five fights to win gold. And I'm like, damn. Even for this year's worlds, like all my friends they had four or five fights. I got six fights to win gold. I'm like, man, I've got no luck in it. Lightweight. Like, I was, yeah, man, I was, I was looking good in the rankings as well. Like, man, can I get a buy at least? <laughs> oh, what did you? Man. What did? What were you ranked coming into the tournament? Because you said the other guy was number one. I'm surprised you weren't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was ranked eight. Eight? What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So they matched me up with him in the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think I didn't have enough points in the gi, but I had a lot of points in the nogi. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're not the same. So yeah. Yeah, and especially the weight division as well. Yeah, yeah. I was registered as mid- middleweight. Oh, and then you dropped to yeah. to light. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So but even for nogi worlds, sorry. Oh no, I was just I was just gonna ask you because um, I talked a little bit about like the the nogi super fights in that scene. Is there anything in particular, you mentioned Europeans as an IBJJF Gi goal that you have. What about Nogi? Is it ADCC? Is there like who's number one aspirations? You mentioned fight to win. Are there any of those promotions that you feel like stand out above the rest? Um, one one promotion that I would really like to get on is Polaris for sure. Oh, that's and awesome. I love their, their cards. I remember they were like recruiting people and like um, asking for people like, ah, oh, we want up and coming athletes, uh, grapplers to get onto the show, um, to get onto the onto the event. And I had a bunch of people like tagging my name, liking, commenting on their pictures, and uh, I had even I even had people emailing them to put me on the show. And nothing, man, nothing, nothing. That's crazy because they're. I mean, you have to be on that show. Slowly, <laughs> it makes but so surely, much sense. <laughs> slowly, slowly but surely, I'm gonna get on the card, man. Everything in God's timing, you know. So I'm in no rush, like man. I'm 20 years young. I'm young, hungry. I want, I want it all. I want all the gold. So I, I know there's gonna be ups and downs, but that's what we're here for. You get me? Mm-hmm. And um, therefore, therefore, for sure, ADCC in the future, man. Therefore, for sure, in ADCC in the future. I really want to go to Brazil to go compete there, whether it's gi or no gi. Um, I really want to go to Abu Dhabi World Pro. I'd say as of now, like obviously, world is in the plans, but as of now, I'd say Europeans. And World Pro for sure next year. That's awesome. Yeah, I love... Because I remember... I was going to say, I love the World Pro tournament. I feel like the yeah. rules there are cool. The shorter matches are fun. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 no, you're good. I remember um, I was supposed to... I got invited to Spider Korea during the pandemic. And I, I was going to go to World Pro as well. But after that, like, 
I don't know what it is with this prime minister here. He just kind of, you know, shut all of us down and we're stuck in the houses again. Yeah. You know, and it kind of ruined my plans. And everything was going to be paid for and stuff, man. It is what it is, man. There's many more opportunities to come, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you're young. You've been winning. You're gonna get. You're gonna get a lot of chances. I feel for sure. No, for sure, man, for sure. So, are you the type of uh, competitor who likes to study jujitsu? Because I know some guys kind of just like to train and compete. Others, they know like all the black belts. They study all the matches. Do you like to do that? Do you like to study I, some of the? I say guys? like I don't really study opponents, but I would say I let's say if I did something wrong, whether I win or lose a competition, my aim is to always submit everyone. Like, obviously, I wanted to submit everyone at Worlds. I only had three. So I know there's work to be done, you know. And I'll look over my matches and see, ah, where where did I go wrong? Where can I improve? What should I have done here? You know. So I say I study on my improvements and I study on my matches and what I can implement. And I take a little bit of everyone's brain at HQ, La Habra, Fight Zone, and I put it into my own portion. I mix, I mix it to myself, you know. Yeah. And that can be from like sambo to wrestling to uh, I don't know, uh, guard guard playing or uh, top passing, you know. And I mix it to what I like and what's suitable for me, you know. Definitely. And I've I've recorded a lot of um, videos that Lil's helped me with positions, and I've got it all here saved on the phone. And whenever I have time, I just flick through it. Oh, okay, I could have done this. Okay, I'm going to study this. And Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's something that only a couple of people have mentioned on the podcast, like studying their own matches rather than just yeah. watching the high-level guys. But are there yeah, because any- at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't really care about what my opponents are going to do, you know. I need mm-hmm. to think about what I'm doing. And I like to watch, like, exciting fighters, you know. Absolutely. Um, that I can also, you know, pick a little bit out from this. And I like watching jiu-jitsu that's always pushing forward. Like, I ain't going to say nothing, but there were a couple matches at Worlds, from colored belts to black belts, that were like, man, come on, this ain't good for the sport, you know? Yeah. 50-50 with lapel and uh, just staying there for like, I don't know, seven minutes, ten minutes, and nothing's happening, you know? Yeah. And that's one thing that Lil's always told us. You're not remembered by what you win, but it's how you fight. If you're an exciting fighter, all the promotions are going to want you. All the all the top shows are going to want you. You know, look at Renato Canuto, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's on he's on every big promotion, whether it's gi or no gi, because he's got exciting jiu-jitsu. His jiu-jitsu is always forward, you know, he's always hunting for the submission. And same thing with like people like Mateus Gabriel. Absolutely. And that's how that's how I want to be, you know. I don't want to be winning by referee's decision or by one advantage, you know. There's going to be times that I'm not going to, you know, submit everyone. And there have been times where I've been frustrated with myself. Like, man, I, like, I don't want to win by two points or whatever, you know. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, when you fight good guys, sometimes that's just how the match ends up. Yeah, exactly. But, that's how yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So do you have any, uh, do you have like a favorite black belt that you like to watch? Or that you like to watch coming up through the ranks? I know it's a tough question, especially since there's so many, but we'll just say it's just one that you really like. It doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite. (laughs) uh, This guy here, he's been having a tough year as Black Belt, but because his division's so stacked as well in the middleweight, I really like Ronaldo Jr. He's awesome. He's amazing. Ronaldo Jr. I like a lot of uh, Fabrizio Andre. 
Guys that are always pushing forward, you know. Uh, who else? Who else? I like in terms of like guard playing and strategy. I like the Eric Muniz. Yeah, he was incredible this year. Wow. Like the, the, he he made it him and Fabricio especially they made it look so easy, you know. Mm-hmm. Made it made it look so easy. And all, all my guys from Checkmate as well, man. All my guys from Checkmate. Yeah, they're all. Th- I see. The, I see the. I see the ground that they put in every day, you know. Mm-hmm. Everyone's there coming together, you know, try, trying to chase one dream, just trying to better their futures through jiu-jitsu and stuff. Absolutely. So I really admire all of them. Yep. Dude. All great answers. So I got one more question for you um, before we kind of wrap it up. But you, you, you have a really inspirational story. You come from a place where there's not a lot of high-level jiu-jitsu champions. And I think there's a lot of people who look up to you and who want to do something similar. They want to be you know, a professional jiu-jitsu athlete. They want to make a living through the sport. They want to win world titles. So, like, if someone's maybe, like, 15 years old, they're just getting into the sport and they have those goals, what advice would you give to that person? Um, Not even, like, just in jiu-jitsu, but in life, man. Like, mm-hmm. if you really, if you really want to, you know, it sounds cliche because everyone says, but if you really put the hard work, dedication, and for me, prayer as well, like, man, you can achieve anything you want in life, you know? You just have to really like, you know, graft it out and grind it out, and you like you'll do anything if you really want it bad. You'll do anything to reach to the top, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of the way how I think of it. That's how I put it in that aspect. For sure. And um, yeah, man. Yeah. If you you have to be passionate about it, you know, because once it's easy for 